Welcome to Back Chat. Uh, I am your host, Jason Smith, joined as always by Paul Ray, brought to you by Roughneck Scarves. Um, how you doing, Paul? I'm doing all right. You know, the the season has uh, has finally come to a close. This uh, is we it. can the end. We can <laughs> we can uh, move on to the next stage of grief, and uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> You know, I've I've been at the the acceptance stage probably since July, which was <laughs> the second to last game that the Switchbacks actually won this season. But um, mm, yeah, 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 we went went. Uh, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's it's the end. It's the end of the 2019 season, and not soon enough. Uh, by far the worst season in Switchbacks history. Um, but probably also the most eventful season in Switchbacks history. There's a lot that happened. Um, so why don't we just kind of briefly gloss over everything that happened from the end of 2018 till today. Um, we're working on the new stadium still. I think the site was announced. I don't know if that was in the off season or at the very tail end of last season. But uh, ground hasn't broken on that yet, so we're still kind of in holding pattern. We were affiliated with the Rapids. That finally happened. The the courtship after, for, for five years um, finally was consummated, and we got a new general manager out of that deal, Brian Crookham, um, who's also the director of, of youth development for the Rapids. So that was, that was a big deal. Um, we won the first game of the season, in LA, Shane Malcolm got a, the first hat trick in rap or uh, in Switchbacks history. That's how much I got the Rapids thing in my mind. It's just totally throwing me off kilter in Switchbacks history, and that was the highlight of the season. Um, from there, it was uh, yeah, yeah. We've uh, we fired our first, you know, we fired the first ever coach, uh, Steve Trichu. God, I forgot his name. Steve Trichu, the, <laughs> the, the the first and only coach that uh, Switchbacks have ever known, uh, much to the surprise of literally no fans, and apparently only him. Uh, he had said to the media that he had gotten sure assurances that he wasn't on the hot seat and that he really didn't care, wasn't thinking about it, and was fired the next week. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, Woldy Harris took over and proved that Trichu wasn't really the problem and proceeded to be even worse. Um, as we went just completely down the tubes, uh, four week, four games for the end of the season, we hired uh, as the full-time coach, uh, Adam Koch, the uh, 2018 USL Coach of the Year with FC Cincinnati, and uh, very quick flame out with FC Cincinnati MLS version in 2019. And uh, let's see what else happened. Uh, we had a lot of teenagers. It was a very teenaged focused team this year. So uh, I think the biggest one that everyone remembers is the uh, monumental debut of 16 year old um, Abraham Rodriguez and who came, had a dramatic tie at Phoenix in gosh, May, June. I think, I, th- I think, yeah. Very early in the season. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the season right there. Uh, we, <laughs> we finished it really, up. 
Yeah, we we got we got a good win to finish out our home st- home st- stand, um, sending uh, Woldy Harris off on a positive note. Uh, proceeded to get thumped uh, in our second to last game. Uh, not thumped, but uh, uh, well, we lost in probably one of the switchbackiest ways possible, losing to the what at the time was the worst team in the West, Tacoma, uh, with two goals in in the. Na- in, in extra time, really, in injury time, and uh, thereby taking the sole spot as the worst team in the West, and um, a dramatic come-from-behind tie uh, against San Antonio FC this past weekend that knocked them out of the playoffs. So at least, you know, misery loves company. Uh, another team can come join us on the playoff-watching couch, and... Um, yeah, that's kind of where we are right now. On the bright side, uh, we we missed out on being the worst team in all of the USL championship by one point. One guess. Uh, Swope, Swope Park Rangers with the identical uh, goal differential of minus 34. Uh, they they had one one less point than us. So, yay! Not not the not the rock bottom. Yeah, it, not rock bottom, um, but you know it, we're we're on the 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 silt on the bottom. <laughs> we we just haven't settled at the bottom yet. We are what those <laughs> sneaky sneaky fish settle into when they attack other fish. That is our <laughs> motto for 2020. We are like we are just little eels just sitting in the sediment, waiting for a suspecting or unsuspecting fish to go by so we can just go yoink and not be in last place uh 34 point differential uh luckily not the worst in the usl tacoma had a negative 40 um so still managed more points than us four more points than us uh more than a game more than a win ahead of us um we finished with seven wins which is worse than the western conference but one went ahead of the Swope Park Rangers, which are bucking the trend of the MLS two teams by changing their name from an original team name to the to uh, Kansas City two. So, <laughs> yeah, um, because you know they don't play in Swope Park, so I guess they've gone out of their range. They've wandered off. Um, so. Um, yeah, uh, 21 losses, which tied with Hartford Athletic for the uh, most losses in the league. Uh, six ties, which, let's see here. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that's, well, you know, six ties. We did tie uh, Phoenix and Reno in ties, uh, least amount of ties. So, I mean, hey, bright side. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a, a pretty... <sighs> Not the way I was hoping the fifth season would go. That Not, that yeah. is a diplomatic way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think that this is the way any of us were hoping the season would go. It was kind of like a, a like 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 you see those you see those videos of when it's get one of those ice storms and cars just keep crashing and you know they're coming and you're like, oh no, here they come. They're going to crash. Ah, ooh, 
crash. Oh, here comes the next car. <laughs> yeah, he's screwed. He's got oh crap. That's kind of how every game was with us. Um, it was it was not a fun one. As as I kind of alluded to earlier, we went from July to um, the second game of the last season. So July to the uh, middle of October to get uh, win- winless in that streak. Um, the the all eyes were on the. 16 turned 17 year old goalkeeper Abraham Rodriguez who uh, had no wins on the season uh, every win that we notch all seven of them were with Andre Rawls in goal um, who was on loan to us from the Rapids um, so despite him getting uh, Rodriguez getting most of the the focus of the season um, in terms of of press and all that not the best first season although for a 16 slash 17 year old yeah you know I mean he could have done worse um, but uh, not much worse um, I, I think I think we can put a positive spin on it by saying the only way to go from here is up yeah yeah if he wins a game next season he will have already improved upon the 2019 season so um positive thumbs up smile um <laughs> and you know that that's as you know you know me i love the goalkeepers and that was my first worry going into the season is that we only had one pure rostered goalkeeper on, on our team one that was signed by us who was not not uh loaned to us from the rapids and that was Stuart seus and um who, he did who, not uh, play in a single game, did he? Did not have a single minute this season, um, even in the Open Cup. He, he didn't get any time, um, which really surprised me because I thought that he was going to, you know, uh, in in the, the preseason last season, uh, in the, between 2018 and 2019, he had – he, he – looked pretty good he went into the into the preseason looking very good uh suffered an injury um against the scrimmage in the preseason against air force uh and kind of went in to the season injured um we got on loan andre rawls from the rapids who uh spent last season with orange county uh who really was i think uh, projected as our starter for the season however I think when when you look at the rapid situation where they had Tim Howard in goal and Clint Irwin behind him, and Tim Howard who doesn't exactly have a stellar history of of being injury free, um, you knew that that Rawls was going to be up on the main roster uh, in the Rapids, and you would have thought Seus would have been the keeper, but we went into the, went into that Phoenix game with. Andre Rawls missing, Stuart Seuss kill, still coming back from injury, and kind of surprised everyone by starting uh, Abraham. And I remember, I don't know if I was talking to you or Mark or somebody, and I said, holy crap, we're starting this 16-year-old kid who, and I kid you not, the first game of the season, um, there was people in the front office who weren't 
who didn't really know who he was. Um, he wasn't in the system. Uh, if you notice, uh, they had to put his number on the USL website as number 99 because they couldn't put zero in at that point. Um, so it was kind of like a, a surprise that he was there. No one knew who he was. So for him to get the start, and I believe it was with the fifth game of the season, I remember say, saying to, to someone, the worst thing that could happen is this kid to go in and have the game of his life because that's going to put expectations on him and that's going to just derail Stuart Seuss. And that's and that's exactly what happened. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, he had he had some preposterous saves in his first game. Yes, um, absolutely, just outrageous. Uh, and and yeah, I think I think that set us up for what we saw um, the rest of the season. It, ugh. Yeah, um, I, I can't agree. I can't agree enough. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, you know, and happy for the kid, glad for the kid. Um, and he did. He had the, I believe he had 11 saves, which was second all time in USL history. Made the USL team of the week, second youngest player ever to do that. Um, but also setting up very, very high expectations, and suddenly everyone knew who he was. His say he he his saves were everywhere. Uh, lost in that was was the Ishjom shot at the end of the game that actually tied it up. But um, from that point on, Abe Rodriguez kind of became the story of the first half of the season. And um, for better or worse, kind of, uh, I would have liked to say, seen Seyus in there. And um, I know I'm not alone in that. You can't pin a lot of the goals and losses on Rodriguez. I can only think of uh, maybe one or two games where he just had a, a bad game, um, where where he just played bad. But, man, it, it kind of felt like things were, go, we were kind of flying from the seat of our pants at that point. Um, which kind of leads into the whole Rapids affiliation, where... We were seeing one of the things that was sold to, to us at the introduction um, for those who go go and go back at the in, in the way back machine to the glory days of 2018. Um, one of the things that was sold to us was that we were going to have depth and we were going to have um, consistency in the roster, um, which are two words that did not associate with the 2019 team. At one point, um, we had, we were, they were bringing up uh, academy players um, because we literally did not have healthy players to play. Um, I think even the, yeah, we, go ahead. Man. We had no depth whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, so thin that at one point, for a home game uh, on our 18 man, uh, our, our 18 for the day, we had two keepers on the bench, uh, which is wasn't because we needed two keepers. It was because they literally just had no one else to suit up. Um, so that was a problem, um, and the fact that we never knew who was going to play. There are so many additions to the team: um, Caesar Romero. 
uh, man, I can't even think of think of them all. Austin Dooming, Tucker Bone, uh, just the list goes on and on of, of players going up and down. Uh, Shin Yashiki was with us for a couple games. Um, Clint yep. Irwin came in. Uh, Clint Irwin came in and did not uh, have a very good stint with us. Um, in fact, I believe that the, uh, he dropped a few f bombs towards towards base camp at some point when they were calling for Abe Rodriguez to come in and replace him, um, which which was again not a highlight of the season. Um, so yeah, it was it was a weird season because I I don't know what what did you think about this about the 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 roster shift and and the in, the inconsistency of the what's the word I'm looking for churn. Yeah, so I, I, you kind of have to look at it as basically with how little depth we actually had, if we had not had the affiliation, if we had not had the academy players to draw upon, we literally would have been forfeiting games. We would have not been able to field a, a team with the regulation number of players. Um, so from that perspective it's a very good thing that we had access to that, those players. But on the other hand, no consistency is never a good thing uh, in, a, in a sports team. Um, when you've only got three or four guys that you can count on being in the game day lineup uh, from game to game, when there are 11 guys on the pitch, that, that's not good. The, it, it's just never going to be good. There, There's never, unless you have a guy who comes in from the academy who is a natural, a, a, a Messi or a Ronaldo who can come in and just take things over on their own, there's no way to, to gel with that little time. Um, and I think we saw direct evidence of that. We saw the direct result of lack of consistency. Um, and I, I think even on the, in the goalkeeper position, uh, the, the switching back and forth whenever Rawls was available, bringing down Irwin, like that consistency is probably even more important than elsewhere. Um, because the, the relationship and the communication between the, the goalkeeper and, and his defenders is huge. Um, and I, I think we probably saw quite a few goals let in because of lack of communication or miscommunication uh, in that area of the pitch. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the back line was probably one of the most consistent uh, groups that we had uh, all season. And we, we wasn't even that consistent. I mean, we, we had Ishjom almost every game uh, on in the left back and our center backs were, were, were basically either uh, Jamal Jack until he got injured, uh, Guadabaye once we acquired him, and Chris Reeves. Uh, but And then on, on the right back, we kind of had a... Uh, working in whoever... I mean, we had Jordan Burt playing there, and it, we had just, just whoever was available. Um, yeah, it, it was a bit of a revolving door. Yeah, and especially for a young keeper who's who, who's trying to get his you know his own feet underneath him. Uh, the the be, part of the keeper position is being able to set up the back line, communicate, tell them where players are, 
tell them where you know where runs are coming from, how to play the ball, distribution, and you you, you kind of got the feeling that that most of the time he wasn't quite sure who was back there. Uh, you know, Guadabaye once he came in, he was a pretty consistent standard bearer there. Same with Chris Reeves, Ish Jom, um man, he kind of just was in his own little plane of reality a lot of times. Um, you know, he, he, you know, he loved to push forward, uh, very close to lead, if not leading the league in crosses, uh, but that often resulted in, um, a lot of breaks on his side, a lot of him being out of position, which could have been helped from a veteran voice back there telling him, Hey, get back in position or calling someone to cover for him after he goes on one of his, uh, wandering runs. But, um, yeah, it, 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 from there, you know, we had we had our our uh, our, our our halfbacks, um, our midfielders. Sorry, and uh, you know, it, it from there we had Ronnie Argetta who came back after a brief stint in Fresno. We had Jordan Burt, uh, we had Jordan Schweitzer, and um, kind of a revolving bit at that at the, the other one too. Uh, sometimes we had Hunley. Sometimes we put Saeed. Sometimes it was Shane Malcolm. Sometimes it was wherever it was. There was a lot of a lot of browsing. Let's shall we say, <laughs> trying to yeah. find um, something that 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 stuck and, uh, or stuck and really never found anything and never really had a chance to gel because I don't think we had the same lineup twice all season and I could be wrong about that I, but I, if we did it was maybe it, one occasion where it where it matched and it was probably early on in the season um, and, and again I beat the dead horse of consistency you're never you're never going to be able to build momentum without consistency yeah um and and i guess towards the middle middle of the season when um when austin doing and tucker bones started featuring more often uh and then getting towards the end of the season it it became a little bit more consistent but it wasn't i think it was too little too late and they were never really able to get the ball rolling um they were never really able to put together you know, a string of wins that would turn things around for the switchbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, We had uh, Ibrahim Yarrow as a defender who disappeared in the second half of the season. Um, Not really sure what happened with him along with the other uh, Ghanaian uh, Donsu. Quasi Donsu. Yeah. Who had a pretty, pretty good season. um, But again, never really, saw much of uh, of him after uh, Trichu left um, and I use the word left kindly I mean, he I mean Trichu was fired <laughs> um, much to the to the to the kind of muffled cheers of the fan base uh, who had been calling him for his head for off and on for for a couple of years now um, but it was quite clear that that he I think he was kind of made to be the fall guy for a bad season. Um, I, I don't know, because we definitely didn't improve uh, under Waldy Harris. 
Um, the problems that we were having didn't really seem to go away. In fact, they seemed to get worse. Um, I, I did think that at least from what I could see as a as an observer, I did think that players' attitudes improved after Trichu left. They they seemed to be enjoying themselves a little bit more. Um, uh, that could be complete placebo, um, but that that was what I noticed. I, I felt like there was a, a certain amount of vigor back in a couple of the players who had lost lost a step. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. I, I, the, the team really at some point just seemed maybe that, that first couple games under Woldy, maybe. Uh, you know, there was the 4th of July game that I believe we lost. Um, but it wasn't really until, I think, the final game in San Antonio that I saw like a real vigor, a real fight, a real like, I don't know, like maybe a pride that, that I haven't seen in quite a while. And I don't know if that's, uh, you know, a symptom of, of Alan Koch being there or if it's the last game of the season. Um, you know, I, I, the, uh, coming down from the, the previous game, uh, coming down from two goals, uh, coming down to red card, uh, giving up two penalties, uh, playing with 10 men for, gosh, an hour, 60 minutes. Um, Chris Reeves uh, just being brutally uh, fouled. Uh, you know, I'm not a doctor and I haven't heard any word, official or unofficial, but I mean, it's quite clear his leg was broken on that play. Um I think yeah, that, that that I don't know that that was a, an a tackle so much so much as it was a an assault. Uh, yeah, it was, and, that was, it, it was pretty brutal. And the dude complained about the yellow card, like like it, they were like, "How's that even a foul?" And it's anyway. <laughs> um, hope, hope hopefully Chris Reeves gets better, uh, heals quickly. It was pretty gruesome. Uh, I invite everyone not to watch the replay of that. Um, it was almost Joe Theismann-esque. Um, there was legs moving in ways that they're just not supposed to move. Um, but I don't know whether it was that, but there was a lot of fight in, in the boys and I, that I haven't, don't think I've seen uh, in, in a while. Uh, definitely a rare occasion this season. Um, very For me, it was very enjoyable. I mean, it was a very gratifying tie. I don't think I felt that happy after a a switchbacks tie since the Phoenix game, uh, really. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think the coaching was, is, was the problem. I think perhaps, you know, the writing was on the wall. I think when they announced the Rapids affiliation and kind of surprisingly announced this, uh, Brian Crookham as the general manager, um, because I remember watching the event at, at Jack Quinn's and I think the only guy who wasn't cracking smiles was uh, Trichu. And he made a point of saying, yeah, we want to develop players, blah, 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 but I also want to win trophies. That's my point. And I think the fact that he made a point of saying that um, kind of got the feeling that, uh, uh, it, that, that if things didn't go well, he was going to be gone in short order. Which is 
sort of sad because, you know, the fans would also like to win trophies. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to win a non-existent preseason trophy for beating uh, Sully or Real Monarchs. Uh, but, you know, when... Uh, speaking of trophies, that's one thing I, gro- I glossed over. Finally got the Four Corners Cup um, with Phoenix... Uh, Albuquerque and Salt Lake City. Uh, we did not win that this season. We got one point. <laughs> um, I made a made a comment to one of the people in the curse that you know, I, um, you know, we we everyone can thank us for handing out points to everybody, uh, for for making sure Phoenix didn't. You know, we only took one point away from Phoenix, so they didn't get an, an easy three. We were just kind of passed around the club. Um, we were we were we were we were the the club bicycle. Um, we everyone took a ride. So yeah, uh, Salt Lake City won won the inaugural uh, cup. We did not. Um, but yeah, hardware would be a nice thing, and and hardware is something that you don't really hear much from the front office as being an aspirational thing. We hear about competitive pride of the. Southern Colorado premier sports team in the in the uh, this area but you don't hear much about you know we want to bring home trophies we want to we want we want to you know we, uh, there's some talk we want to make the playoffs but it's like yeah you know we made the playoffs the first two seasons uh, and didn't really have much to show from that um so yeah, that that kind of let's let's talk a little bit about the Rapids. How do you think that's that's gone? Um, what are your unfiltered thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Be careful with the word unfiltered. Um, I'm, I'm no, gonna. No one's listening to this. The only listener we're gonna have is my wife, who just walked into the office. So that's as close as it's gonna get to someone hearing what we just said. Uh, um, I, I don't want to use the words unmitigated disaster, but I just did. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that we saw literally any benefit to it, um, aside from the fact that it allowed us to feel the team when we had injury issues. Um, and I, I realize this, this is the first season, um, and, there was a lot of a, a lot that was sort of up in the air that we didn't really understand about how this was going to work. Um, obviously, the switchbacks have, had never been affiliated before. The Rapids had a prior affiliation, I want to say, with Charlotte Independence mm-hmm. um, a few years back. So they sort of at least had an idea of how the situation would work. But I feel like this our relationship with them was a little bit more in depth than the, the Charlotte uh, relationship ever was. Yeah. Yeah. I think it still has potential um, if used properly, but I don't think that we saw, I don't think that we saw any evidence uh, that they know how to use it properly. Yeah. I, I kind of almost felt like it was, when when you give a toddler a Lego set, you know what it's supposed to look like, but it doesn't end up anything like it. In the end, it's just a complete disaster on the floor that everyone has to pick up. 
it it, it so for we're we're I I we I don't know how to where to go with this. <laughs> we had we have an affiliation, but we I think the affiliation was used in our case, unlike any other affiliation I've seen in the USL since the first season. Um, you know, there there's there's basically four um, models for how this is going to go. There's there's the the truly independent teams that have no affiliation. They do their own thing, um, which is what we were the first four seasons. Um, there's the teams like uh, Rio Grande Valley who have um, basically contract out to MLS teams to control their athletic roster side, and the team controls the business end. Um, then there's affiliated teams which is kind of a hey we have an affiliation with you uh it's kind of like having a, a preferred member status and then there's mls2 teams which are owned by owned and operated by the sole discretion of an mls team um, i think a lot of people expected uh us to operate like an affiliation which is normally run like we send you down four, three or four season-long loan players. We may send you a couple players. We may bring back a couple players over the season. Um, but in the end, the team is kind of in, the team is pretty much independent, with just kind of a, you know, a preferred loan status, uh, easy exchange. There, there really is no, um, like the league doesn't have to get involved in it too much. It's just kind of a. a almost like having a Costco membership, you know, um, <laughs> really it's, it's what it is. It's, you know, you, 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 you get to shop there first and they get to use you as they see fit. But in the end, you're not really, you're, 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 you're not there to win, to develop players. You're, you're there to win. Yeah. And you, you have, you have a decision in, you know, you have a you have a, a part to play in the decision making. You have, you're in control of your own destiny. You're not you're not along for the ride. Yeah, there, there's there's a clear line between um, MLS team and USL team. Um, there there's there may be some crossover. They may share scouting. They may you know something like that, um, but the most that it comes to is very traditionally like what the Rapids and Charlotte have had um, without the thousands of miles in between them. And I think for the, the first thing that, that I didn't like is the fact that we have our general manager is, is also employed by the Rapids. So that kind of puts us in a position where we're, we're dependent upon the what the rapids wants and needs could be um you know i, I while, while publicly and in, in all my conversations with brian crookham it's always very clearly look are my number one priority is to win with the switchbacks and to make sure that with switchbacks win obviously you know if we have a situation where you know you get a you get a shin yashiki or or clint irwin that can come down and play we're going to do that, um, but 
his position was always is is you know we want the switchbacks to win. The GM for the Rapids, on the other hand, has very publicly made statements saying we send guys down to the switchbacks to get minutes. That's their primary purpose is to get minutes, and I think that's where the where some of the uncomfortableness for me comes from because it seems like we've got two different goals that aren't always going to connect. Um, you know, which is more important? You know, getting getting Matt Hunley and Sam uh, Sam Raven time, or getting Austin Doing and Tucker Bone time. Um, you know, we get Cesar Romero on loan from us from Honduras, and then you know what? How does that? You know, you know, it, it, it creates a lot of conflicting goals. I thought what I did Ab- absolutely. It, and if you if if the goals aren't at least somewhat in line, uh, it, it leaves ju- it just leaves way too much uh, uh, open for interpretation, basically. Yeah, and I I I because because you got to wonder, you know, what happens when it when we get good knock on wood. <laughs> when when we have a, a season where we're we're contending for a, a playoff spot or contending for a, a home playoff game, and we're at we're in September and October, and the Rapids have tanked, and you know the do we who's the Rapids want to send guys down for minutes? We want to play guys for consistency to get ready for playoffs. Whose priority wins? Yeah, that, yeah, that, and that's going to happen at some point. Um, and I think now, now with the boy, how do I go about transitioning this into the coaching situation? So the coaching situation. Um, excellent segue. Excellent segue. Yeah, just <laughs> throw it out. The coaching situation. So one of the things that was harped upon when the Rapids affiliation was announced was the working relationship that Steve Trichu and uh, the Rapids have had in the past. Um, you know, Trichu had been in the the uh, had played for the Rapids. He had coached uh, as an assistant coach there. He was in the uh, youth. Um, he was in the the, the academy. He was part of the youth academy coaching. Uh, programs there so there definitely was a sort of synergy in that and I thought that was kind of the saving grace to this is that there was there was a relationship there and not and they they emphasized it enough to make me believe it I don't know what's wrong with me but I believed it um that's what kind of made my initial shock at Trichu getting fired because even up until the day before it happened I you and I were arguing about it on the shows is that it's not happening, not in the middle of the season. No way. I don't even think, you know, if, if I don't think ownership, you know, the Reagans, I don't think they're, they're interested at all in changing coaches midstream. Uh, I don't think the Rapids are interested in that at this point. Um, and just like that, bam, they fired him. And I, th- I I was I was floored by it. Um, 
everyone was like, yep, 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 good job, good job. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, this isn't a problem with Trichu. This is a problem with, with you know, what Trichu's been given. And, you know, we it, it, the, the switchbacks are infamous for having very low budgets. Um, you know, we, we can't we can't fork over, you know, uh, one hotel room to send two extra players on a road trip road trip to sit on the bench, you know. Um, so we're cheap. And Trichu seemed while he seemed annoyed by it, he seemed to accept it and have worked under that under that weight, under that uh, constraint. And it seemed like like a perfect situation. And my worry was that Trichu was going to settle into, hey, I'm just here to get Rapids guys ready to play for the Rapids. Um, that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, and Trichu was fired. No, it did not. I, I don't know where that came from. I haven't heard anything off the record. Um, whether or not that was something that uh, came down from Crookham, from the Rapids, from the Reagans. Um, I know that Trichu made it very public about how unhappy he was about it, that he had been told that he was safe, which, I mean, come on, if you're a professional head coach, you know that when you're told your job is safe, you're probably going to get fired within the month. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's pretty typical. Um, also, if your if your team's form uh, is over the last ten games is loss, 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 draw, loss, 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 you're probably going to get fired. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> so he got fired, and Wilde Harris stepped up, and um, I think at that point we were kind of in a how is this going to shake out? Trying to think what we're going to have as the new coach, who would step into the situation. Um, you know, when I, I kind of mentally put together a, a checklist of who I thought, uh, not some specific names, but in general, like the, the archetype of the, of who would come in. Uh, I, you know, I figured it would be someone who stepping into a USL co- head coaching, a USL championship, uh, would be a promotion. Um, you know, so like someone from the uh, from from the college ranks, from um, maybe from the lower divisions, an assistant coach in the MLS, maybe assistant coach in the USL, someone who had ties going to either a local soccer team, you know, whether it be DU, Air Force, uh, um, C- CSCSU, uh, Colorado College, you know, in any of those teams, uh, the School of Mines, you know, someone from there. Uh, men or women's, um, or someone with a history with the Rapids. Uh, I think I even tossed out the name uh, Marcelo Balboa, which was, you know, obviously a great call on my part. Would have been awesome if only someone had taken my advice. Um, but uh, to my shock, uh, it didn't happen. It, we actually got uh, Alan Koch, who... When I when I first started hearing this, my thought was, one, I'm getting my my chain jerked around, uh, and two, there's no way this happens because he he is not on any of my checklist of who would take this job. Um, basically, he he he's he was the coach for FC Cincinnati, uh, which was a really which was probably didn't win the championship last year but was probably the best team in the USL last year 
um, most of the after the season awards went to uh, went to FC Cincinnati pl- uh, players and coaches. He was the the coach of the year. Um, they had a deep run into uh, the Open Cup, beating I think they beat a couple they beat a couple MLS teams, I believe. Um, you know, he comes from FC Cincinnati, which huge fan base. You know, we we regularly saw. Um, the stadium packed with 20, 30,000 people. Um, and he had a very sizable budget um, to get all those players that he wanted. Um, no connection at all to Colorado that I could find. Uh, South African uh, guy, uh, play, he lives in Canada. Um, so it really was really out of the blue for me. I, I, it, like I say, I started hearing it from people. And I started hearing it from people who weren't in the, in the Rapids or the Switchbacks organization, but in outside, uh, off the record that this is happening, this is happening. And I'm like, this is bullshit. This is not, ha- no, no, there's no way this is happening. Um, and it happened. So, uh, I don't know. What was your thoughts on it? Oh, my first thought was that, the only reason that he would come is if he was being grooved, groomed for the Rapids head coaching job. Mm-hmm. But that had recently been filled by a guy whose record is phenomenal. Um, the the Rapids turnaround, they were actually within one game of uh, being in the playoffs after uh, after their coaching change. Yeah. Um, so that, that made absolutely no sense. I, it really still boggles the mind i i'm not sure at all how how to look at it um and you know it's funny i don't know what what they what they promised him what lies they told him <laughs> uh, i i just i can't understand particularly the difference in the budget that he is going to be seeing um it it's it's like it's like being the a, a personal chef to a billionaire and then going to be a, a, a line cook at Applebee's. Yeah. Um, I, it's, I, I don't, it's a weird, I don't get it. It's weird, isn't it? it, it, it it's it's uh, really weird. You know, it's funny. Cause you know, when, when the Rapids hired Robin Frazier, um, he fit my checklist for the switchbacks. You know, he, he played for, uh, he played for the Colorado Foxes. Uh, back in the old A-League days, he played for the Rapids. You know, he had that connection. Um, you know, there, there was a little stink that was made when uh, when they made that, that coaching change for the Rapids. It was the third one um, when Connor Casey, who was their, their interim coach, basically left. And the GM of the Rapids said, well, we offered him the switchbacks job, kind of just offhand in an interview uh, on MLS.com. And... Um, I think that Connor Casey was one a lot of people suspected was going to come down here um, because he had the Rapids connection and kind of would easily transition and had some moderate success taking over or riding the ship of, of the Rapids in midseason. Um, but it looked like he couldn't get out of town fast enough uh, and want to have nothing to do with the Rapids uh, or anything attached to them. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't get why... why uh, it was a curveball, Alan Koch's. It, it was definitely a, a curveball because um, 
you know, I mean, it's no secret that the switchbacks um, are frugal. And I guess that's putting it nicely. Um, you know, their they're players talk, uh, coaches talk, agents talk. Um, and, you know, he, he had just been, he, he, while he was successful in the USL version of Cincinnati, uh, when they went out to MLS, they kept him on, and he had a pretty horrible, horrible start. Uh, I believe it was 1-9-1 before they fired him at the beginning of the season. Um, and I don't have the quotes in front of me, but they kind of concern me from the players after he was fired. Um, you know, a lot of times when a coach is fired, there's a lot of, well, you know, we're going to miss him, but we're moving forward. Like Players are gracious. They really weren't all that gracious about him. There was talk of um, a lot of things that we kind of complained about Trichu. There was uh, inc- players not knowing who was going to be in the lineup, what position they were going to be playing, um, that the culture under him was non-existent, um, that he often played players out of position, um, didn't make proper adjustments for other teams, and, and just sounded like the kind of stuff that we all complained about that got Trichu fired. Um, so that, I mean, that kind of concerned me, that that former players would step up and or current players would say that of the fired coach. Um, I don't know. Did you hear any of that scuttlebutt? Uh, you know, what did... What do you think about about? I mean, one for me, it's it's pretty pretty crappy to be talking about a guy who just got fired and kind of pitting your woes on him. Uh, it's kind of unprofessional. But the fact that not only do they do it, they kind of stood by it. I mean, does that kind of throw up any red flags for you? To to a certain extent, it does. But at the same time, his uh, uh, cautious firing was post MLS um, the the team was doing terribly it's basically just ignoring the massive success that he had at the level that he's coaching at now um, and I I don't know if it was the transition to MLS that shook things up and he uh, was maybe experimenting too much with changing lineups and and just trying to not trying to not be the new team that sucks yeah um which i mean i looking at my own my my own hometown team minnesota united their first season in mls was awful their second season in mls was awful um now did they they only i'm sorry what's that sorry sorry step on you there did did they keep their head coach when they went from nasl to mls you know no um their head coach from nasl manny lagos is now their uh director of soccer operations so he he moved up to a administrative role on the soccer side of of the organization and they brought in adrian heath um who had coached orlando yeah um which he had had success in bringing a team from the usl to the mls Mm -hmm. um so there was there was actual history there that that told that organization that he could pull it off. It might not be the first year, it might not be the second year, but you know they they just got knocked out of the playoffs by L.A. They had a their goalkeeper was named you know goalkeeper of the year. They had defender of the year. Um, so 
I don't know that Cincinnati made the right choice by bringing him up. It's it, it it's kind of hard to say because you you want to reward the guy who just gave you a, a a fantastic season at the lower level, but he's also unproven at the level you want him to to succeed at. Sure. Uh, so I don't know that it was necessarily fair to him. So to hear players disparaging comments about him, to to hear that stuff. It would be hard for me to to not think to myself, well, what what would they have said if he had been fired at the end, just right at the end of their successful season? If he, they hadn't given him the opportunity to try at, at the higher level and then watched him fail. Yeah. Um, if he had if he had gone out at the top of his game, I bet they would have been singing his praises. Yeah. If he was still here, we wouldn't be one nine and one. That sort of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that was kind of the other surprising part for me about the switchbacks getting him is that, okay, he, he wasn't, he did not have a successful run at MLS. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, some some players, some coaches, you know, that, that just don't make that next step. And um, there's a lot of teams coming into the USL. I mean, there's the... the you know, we, we've got San Diego's coming. Um, God, there's a team in Iowa. I forget uh, which city they're going to be in. But there, there's there's more teams. There's more expansions. And that means there's going to be more head coaching jobs. And there's going to be more money out there than, say, what we would do. You, you, I guarantee you the the budget for San Diego, um, owned by Landon Donovan, is going to be cons- very is going to be considerable high, considerably higher than the switchbacks is. Um, their their exposure is going to be considerably higher than the switchbacks um, than Colorado Springs. Uh, so it, it kind of surprised me that one we were able to get him and, and that he would be able to kind of agree to come here. I guess that that's part that that's part of the part that I just don't. It's it's a it's it's a, it's a mystery to me. I haven't had a chance to meet the man yet. I'm hoping to uh, this off season. Um, but I don't know if it's he's you know was sold on the idea of taking a team that is absolutely the worst team in the league and getting a new stadium and you know taking a team that that's at the bottom and building them to a champion or whatever. I don't know if he he thinks or- that that's a possibility. Um, I don't know if it's overconfidence. I don't know if it's you know he he couldn't get an assistant job somewhere or doesn't want to start with an expansion team. Um, I don't know. It definitely seems like, like uh, he's definitely choosing a challenge in, in coming here. Absolutely. And it, it's, it's not going to be anything like anything he's experienced before. Um, unless there are changes in the switchbacks ownership that we don't know about uh, changes in their level of investment um, he is going to be, for all intents and purposes, he's going to be coaching a, a Rapids Academy team. Um, and I just don't see how that's attractive to a guy who nearly won the league. Um, it's just, it's, it's a little bit mind boggling. And I think, I think that we will get a little better feeling for, for the why, 
uh, as the off season progresses and as we as we move towards the next season, we start to see what kind of players he's scouting and signing, if any. I think we might get a better idea of of what kind of coach he is, what kind of man he is, and and maybe get a little bit better thought on why he would why he would make this move. Yeah, and, and you know he's he's not only got to feel comfortable with with the Reagans, but he's also got to feel comfortable with uh, you know Crookham and the Rapids, uh, and, and he's got to know that you know like you said earlier, there's really not a job waiting for him at the Rapids. Uh, so that's not, that's not even an incentive. I mean, they're going to, st- I can't imagine a situation where they don't stick with Robin Frazier uh, for at least the next two seasons, you know, unless he absolutely craps the bed next season. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, it's baffling to me and uh, it'll be interesting. You know, it'd be, it'd be different from, you know, being a household name in Cincinnati among uh, you know, and playing in front of a roaring crowd uh, of 30,000 people to, you know, um, playing a Wednesday night in in April uh, in snow here in, in the springs and <laughs> in front of 500 people and, and having Andy Kaufman follow you around at the grocery store. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's going to be a tremendously different environment. And, and maybe that's what he, uh, maybe that's what him and his, uh, uh, family want, um, you know, they're living in, in right now, I think in Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, so maybe they're looking to settle into the small town vibe that is Colorado Springs. And, um, so yeah, so another kind of transition you went kind of trying to go for a lumpy transition. I'm an awful host players. You, you mentioned what players we're going to see next year. Um, I can tell you whom we most definitely will not see next year, and that is goalkeeper Stuart Seuss. Um. I I one thousand percent agree. Um, I I think he will be out of here just as fast as he is legally allowed. Well, um, uh, um, if you anyone follows on social media knows all season long. Um, I wouldn't even say he's being throwing low key, low she, low key shade at at the was playing situation. I think it's just straight up, you know. Every day it was you know uh, memes about not being appreciated in your job, um, you know how, how awful it was working for people who who uh, working for bad management. Uh, he was not a happy camper, and uh, uh, his passive aggressiveness on his social media feed uh, was not very passive. It was almost aggressive. And, and today he posted a workout video with the hashtag free agent. So, um, yeah, he won't be around next year. Uh, which, so, uh, which leaves us with really only one signed goalkeeper. And that is Abe Rodriguez. And we've kind of made a commitment to him. Um, you know, that's another, another question mark for Alan Koch coming into this is, Hey, we're, we're we're bringing you in this situation where not only that, not only all the stuff we mentioned before, but you're going to have a 17-year-old goalkeeper is we we've signed to a, a, a multi-year deal, so you're going to have him with the expectation of him playing. Um, you know, Andre Rawls is is going to fall is going to go up to the Rapids and back up Clint Irwin because Tim Howard uh, retired. Um, so we're going to have an. I, I would be shocked if, if Abe Rodriguez isn't the starter next year. Um, 
And other than that, you know, I mean, maybe Austin Dillon and Tucker Bone. Um, I'm I'm not 100% sure about their military commitments with the Air Force, uh, but I do think that that we sign them um, through next year. Um, and I don't know. I mean, who else do you think? Do you think Schweitzer's going to be around? Um, uh, he was he was the next name that I was going to bring up. Um, he is. And this might be a contentious statement, uh, and I might catch some some flack for this, but in my mind, he is the number one priority to keep hold of. Um, in fact, I think I posted uh, posted a similar comment on on Facebook when he was named Man of the Match in in our final game. Um, he is objectively one of the best players the Switchbacks have ever had. Um, he deserves to be playing at a higher level in in my mind, whether that just be at a team surrounded by higher level players being more competitive or if that means eventually making his way to MLS. He, he would be, if I were uh, a coach or management or ownership, I would be doing everything I could to make sure that he stayed. Uh, I don't know what his contract is like, whether it, he's on the very standard at this point like one year with an option uh type deal or or what but he is he is the guy that i think uh needs to stay and and could have a franchise built around him yeah i i i do not disagree with you at all in fact i don't think that's a controversial statement and i don't think you'll get a lot of slack for it um i i think he is you know he was the only switchbacks player um that was at uh, that was in camp with the Rapids uh, before the season. Um, aside from every you know all their other loanees, um, you know when when they had the they brought when they took everyone up for the game against Arsenal, um, I believe he was in the starting lineup. Uh, he got, I think he got the most time out of out of all the switchback guys that went up there that weren't uh, Rapids loanees. Um, I'm a hundred percent with you. Um, I think Jordan Schweitzer is someone you can build a team around um and he's uh, yeah I, I i'm not gonna argue at all with you um the only slight caveat i think would be uh bringing back jordan bird um and that's that's why my statement was contentious in my mind um <laughs> is that most most people who've been around this organization uh and know jordan bird is pretty much the only guy left who was with the team when it started. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he is a, a solid player and he's a, he is a, has been a good leader. Um, but I guess that is, that should lend even more weight to my statement about the other Jordan. Um, I, I would place priority on Jordan Schweitzer uh, ahead of Jordan Burton and that that's what's contentious to, in my mind I, I love them both uh, Burt has been one of uh, the most consistently good players uh, the Switchbacks have had and it's been a pleasure to watch his game grow um, I just don't know that he has grown at the pace that I think Jordan Schweitzer has and I don't know that he 
impacts the flow of the entire game the way that Jordan Schweitzer can. Um, His first season with us, it was literally every game I would look up the player stats and the passing accuracy would just blow my mind. And I, I could not, I cannot comprehend that someone could be that good at, at playmaking essentially. Yeah. Um, and if you watch highlights, it, it almost every promising attack, whether it resulted in a goal or not centered around him in some way, whether it was him winning the ball back in midfield or whether it was him being the, the linchpin in the middle, getting receiving the ball from the back line and, and, waiting for the perfect moment to to slot a pass to to an attacking player everything just seems to center around him yeah and i don't know that i don't know that jordan bird as great as he has been and he's been our leading goal scorer more than a, a couple times it was um, this year. i don't i i don't know that he has the same the same reach of his impact well, if that know, makes sense. Well, it, it, you, you got to look. I, I get what you're saying. Like when you look at Jordan Schweitzer, you know, there's a young guy, guy who's got a lot of potential. Who, who playing wise, you could see him, you know, uh, in the MLS or, or, um, you know, he's got a, a higher ceiling than what we see now. Jordan Bird is kind of a different player who's almost very like. Um, I don't want to compare him to Luke Luke uh, Vercoloni because they're so dramatically different, but someone who you could see making a career out of the USL, who's a leader, who's a, a community leader. Um, you know, I just saw today that he was nominated for the Colorado Springs Mayor's Young Young Leaders of the the Year for sports. Um, I forget the exact thing. I, I posted it online, but I mean, he's 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 a known entity in the community. Um, he's someone that the fans know and love, and I think that that's part of when when you're when you're going to be building a team, you've got to take into account um, keeping the fan favorites around. That especially if they're productive, like he is, you know, he played every position but goalkeeper. And there was a brief moment I thought he was going to play goalkeeper um, <laughs> on, in, in San Antonio when when. Uh, uh, Abe was killing time and almost about to get a second yellow, but um, you know he's he's he led the he led the team in goals this year. I think depending on how fast my computer loads it up, I think he led last year. Uh, it tied with Shane Malcolm. Uh, in fact, he had a better this year. He had seven goals. Last year, he had six goals. Uh, you know, 2017, he had da, 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 I think I don't think I know he didn't lead that year, but he had eight goals in 2017, and, and he played in ten less games than he did this year. So, um, you know, he's definitely producing. Now, whether or not that's a symptom of our lack of production elsewhere um, is is you know up to up for debate. But I think if you're going to be built rebuilding a team, you got you got to have the you've got to have the potential uh, stars and you've got to have the uh, grizzled leaders, which I think, I think he falls under and, you know, the unconfirmed rumors from a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. I heard that he's uh, setting down roots here in Springs, bought a house, um, 
you know, I, I can't confirm that 100%. Uh, I can't confirm that when I was moving, uh, I did see him at the U-Haul store. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's uh, – I, I would be kind of surprised if he's not here next year. And I think he, he deserves to be here next year. Um, going to, by the rest of the roster, uh, you know, Ish Jome, um you know, he, he was kind of a – he produced a lot this year. He was the center of a lot of of action, but he was also the the center of a lot of defensive breakdowns. Um, I, I, I see that, but I don't necessarily know that they're all his fault. I think that the, a lot of – he took a lot on – uh, he took on a lot of responsibility in creating attacks because they weren't coming from elsewhere on the pitch. And I think he got caught out a few times because of that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't nec- I wouldn't say that he was poor defensively at any time. I just think that he seemed in a, in more than a few games seemed to be the only guy trying to get something started. Um, and that's yeah. it's unfair to put on on a defender um well i mean he, really he, pretty brutal i mean he was he, when he came in he was taking over for josh suggs who suggs was very similar in that role i think it was i think he was a little sturdier uh in in, in his defensive play but it was quite clear that trichu uh, and woldy were quite wanted him to get forward as much as he can and to be the linchpin along the left-hand side. Um, I don't know, though. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, he – four goals this season. Um, is, is, to, to me, I don't think he was – he lived up to the potential of being a defender. Um Trichy was saying earlier that he was uh, head and shoulders improvement over Josh Suggs, and Trichy should have got fired for that comment because I don't think that was true at all. But um, I don't know. I I I, I could. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I don't. I'm not sold on him being back there, and I'm not. I'm not not sure what Koch is going to be looking for if he's going to be looking for that that. Attack, attacking wing back back there going all the time or he's going to want someone who's a little more conservative um, going along the back line uh, Abdul Guadabaye um, he it was alone from the Rapids um, part of a trade and I don't remember the details of the trade of the Rapids but he was on loan to us from them um, I love the dude I think I think he's great I would love to see him back um, but that's going to be entirely up to, to the, the mothership up in Commerce City. Um, Jamal Jack, you know, it's, it's a bummer that I also, that Jamal Jack, who was kind of one of our big returns from last season, very, very, um, consistent, um, broke his shoulder, broke his collarbone. Uh, and like two weeks later, we got Guadabaye. And I remember to th- talking. Wouldn't it be great to have Jamal Jack and Guadabaye back there, um, you know, holding down the fort? And um, it wasn't until the last, very last game 
that they actually started together. Um, they kind of mixed and matched throughout the season, but they never got to start together. And Guadabaye got ended up getting red carded uh, 20 minutes into it, so he never really got to see that full potential. Um, I don't know. Do you think? Do you think you see Jamal Jack back? Didn't mean to rhyme there, but. Um, I mean, I I think it really comes down to whether to whether first of all he wants to continue playing um the guy the guy is my age uh which as a center back it's not it's not kind on your body uh as he knows from this year so i wouldn't be surprised to see him retire i wouldn't be surprised to see him back i honestly it it seems kind of a toss-up to me um he was a very consistent defender was very good for us but the other thing that he was very consistent uh at was giving up penalties mm, um yeah which drove drove me a little bit nuts yeah so <laughs> yeah that's right i that, forgot i forgot about that he was the uh he, he literally gave guy. away i think i i think he li- literally gave away all but one of the penalties that we conceded um, I could be wrong, uh, but it, it, it certainly felt that way. Well, he didn't give up the one that's got uh, Abdul Guadalajay sent off in San Antonio. No, um, no. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, it's funny. That's how long this season has been. This has been like th- this, this is like this year has been the longest 10 years of my life watching the switchbacks. <laughs> it seems like the beginning of the season was another lifetime ago. Um I mean, it was three coaches ago, but yeah. Now that you now that you mention that, he he did seem to be a magnet for uh, drawing penalties, deserve it or not. Um, and he is 31 years old, which um, definitely closer to your age than he is to mine. Um, you know, Chris Reeves, uh, the other defender back there. Gosh, you know, it's. I hope he I hope he comes back to some team in some form. But man, that that's a gruesome injury to overcome and. Uh, I believe he was on loan to us as well from the Rapids. Is that, am I, am I... Reeves? I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on Reeves. I don't, I think he was, uh, I think he was actually a switchbacks player. Um, but yeah, I, that, that definitely is an injury that is very difficult to overcome. <laughs> um, it's hard to watch. And, I don't know. I, I can't oh, imagine overcoming oh, it. I couldn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now, looking at, uh, I know we already mentioned him, but Guadabaye, um, honestly, for for such a young guy, uh, he's only 23, um, I would love to see him back. Um, I, I have a feeling that he will end up with the Rapids at, at some point. Um whether he's straight into their starting lineup or not, um, his defensive capabilities and his attacking, he scored three goals for us this season. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a center back, uh, yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, first, I mean, we've been awful on set pieces, so we haven't really been able to get, uh, goals off of our defenders. But, um, as far as, as that is concerned, as far as the back line is concerned, he would be another one that I would be very happy to see back if we could get him back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, very young guy, uh, has some caps with the Rwanda national team. Um, 
miss some time, uh, miss a game or two for for the the uh, African uh, World Cup qualifying. Um, you know, looking along, looking along, who's listed as a defender on our roster? Uh, you know, Ibrahim Yarrow. There's there's no telling uh, with, with him. Um, he kind of disappeared at the end of the season. Uh, the rest of these are all Rapids guys, um, and that's the hard part about about really trying to to predict what's going to happen next year. Is that we could barely predict what was going to happen this year, the morning of the games. Um, you know, away games, we had no clue what was happening until uh, you know we we saw the the lineup 30 minutes before kickoff. Uh, but you know, so much now depends on what the Rapids do. I mean, you look at some of these players. You know, there's Seb Anderson, Alejandro Padilla. Um, I assume he was a academy guy that came down. Uh, yeah. Sam, yep. Sam Rabin, uh, Kofi Apara. Obviously, we're not going to see him next year. Um, but yep. yeah, going down. You know, look. Let's look at some of the midfielders. Uh, you know, Argeta. Is Ronnie going to come back? Um, you know, we just saw that he. We just saw today. The switchbacks uh, put out a, a little picture that he got engaged to his uh, longtime girlfriend, um, and he's someone that we that clearly has been ambitious about playing uh, at, at at a higher level and just can't seem to get the breakthrough. Um, you know, he he had a uh, he had a brief stint uh, in 2017 with a Mexican second league team. I forget what their their uh, their league is called. Um, Atura? Uh, I don't know. Um, but the second, uh, second league Mexican team, he he had a brief stint with, wasn't successful there. Went to Fresno in 2018, what did not have much success there, and came back. Um, I don't know. Do you do you think if if given the option, he would return? Do you think? Um, do you think he would be given an option? Is he worth bringing back? I I think that you'd be hard pressed to find a, a holding midfielder as solid as him um, and convince them to come here for the first time rather than trying to convince Ronnie who already, we already know uh, liked it enough here to come back after leaving. Uh, if, if you convince him to stay more easily than getting, trying to find his equal, um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be. If he's going to be interested. If he's frustrated with his lack of of getting to the next level. I feel like with the uh, affiliation, if he performs really well, if he goes out and has himself a career season, that he's got to believe that he could gain some attention with the Rapids and and maybe see himself called up. Um, it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, Saeed, uh, Saeed Robinson, uh, another guy who, who left and came back and, um, you know, who I thought probably should have gotten more minutes as the season progressed. Uh, he's one of those guys who I think really kind of got, um, lost in the shuffle and kept bringing more and more players in. Um, you know, he's not, you know, he's 29. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. Could he come back? Could he not? Uh... I I would like to see him back. Um, I think that while we didn't see the goal production out of him this this season, I feel like he was starting to get more comfortable 
uh, in in a central attacking role. Um, I think he was getting a little bit more comfortable being played in different positions. Um, I don't know. It, it felt a little bit like he'd lost a step as far as speed is concerned. Uh, he used to he used to have the pace to just leave anybody in in the the dust. And I don't know if it's just he didn't want to try taking people on as much like that, or if he was you know receiving instruction to play a different way. Yeah. Um, well, he definitely is not the same player that we saw introduced in 2015. Um, you know, back then speed was his calling card. I mean, he was by far the fastest player on the team and the fastest player on the field. And uh, yeah, I, I thinking about it, I ha- I don't remember a single time I sat back and really thought, wow, he he just turned on the Jets. Um, but I, it wasn't a weakness though. So um, yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. He seemed to really come on around September again. And he did the same thing last year where he just went on a tear. It's like once kids went back to school, Saeed showed up and, 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 um, yeah, I don't know if it's whether or not he gets comfortable playing in whatever system he's in or the team is gelling around him, um, or, or what, but he seen, he seems the past two years to have really come on at the end of the season. Um, and I'd love, I, 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 he's one one of the one of the nicer guys on the team that I've had a chance to talk to, uh, very quiet, very, very humble, very, very funny. Um, I'd love to see him back. Um, he, he is, he is very quiet. Um, and I, I remember when, uh, when Mark and I were, uh, doing back chat, uh, for our short stint on, on public radio, uh, he, he didn't want to come on because he didn't want people to hear his accent. He didn't want to come on the show because he didn't want to talk. Was, um, was you and I, a really that, funny that, guy. Yeah. Was you and I that had him on the show? Cause I remember sitting next to him in one of our recordings there and he basically just sat there and almost like, just like giggled to himself the entire, just <laughs> yeah, the yeah. whole time. Uh, that's pretty much, that's pretty <laughs> much him in a nutshell. Uh, did not, did not want to talk. I don't know why I, I, I love the accent. Uh, and I think, I think our listeners probably would have enjoyed hearing from him uh, a little bit more as well, but yeah. really I, I think you nailed it. He, nice guy, quiet guy, very humble, which for a guy with pace to burn, um, a lot of time, really fast, really flashy players are not humble uh, in the least. Uh, yeah, and and usually run their mouth about as fast as they run their legs. And and he was never that guy. Yeah. Um. Kind of tying in with Saeed, uh, one of his one of his uh, uh, seemed to be uh, uh, passing partners who's frequently hooked up uh, on field a lot. Shane Malcolm, um, who's been one of our better offensive threats the past couple of years. Um, I, I, it's, it's weird because he's, he had the first game of the season, he had the hat trick and then he almost seemed to disappear until the summertime. Um, but then it was like, once he did that, he had a, a, a huge, he, he went and played for his national team, Guam. And they had a, uh, a home and away um, World Cup qualifier against Bataan. And it seemed like he had to almost readjust coming back. Um, 
which is weird because you don't really frequently hear about players having to adjust coming down in altitude to Colorado. Uh, Bhutan, I believe their playing field is over 10,000 feet uh, in the, in in the uh, in the mountains. So it, I don't know. He's got potential, but I don't think I I don't th- see him really rising up to it a lot. I I don't know. It's it's tough. Um, he for a few seasons had shown just absolute flashes of brilliance, uh, both with his with his pace and with his creativity, taking guys on uh, his dribbling. It never really been a prolific goal scorer, um, but always a guy who could draw people to himself uh, and and create opportunities for others. Um, he's he's twenty eight. Um, he's re- really, in my opinion, kind of in the the physical peak uh, as far as strength and speed. He may have lost a step for speed, but I also noticed this season, uh, very similar to Saeed, that Shane was not taking guys on one-on-one as much as he used to. Um, you know, he used to he used to cut inside and just take guys on trying to get into the box and, and basically dare them to try to take the ball off him. Um, and and that he seemed to have changed the way he plays a little bit. He seemed to lose some motivation. Uh, I don't know if it was coming off coming off of the the national team trip. That was pretty early in the season. Um, but you you were right. He did seem to kind of disappear for a little while there. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he will want to come back. I don't know yeah. if he'll be offered, if he'll even be offered a contract. Being one, I mean, he's been with us three seasons, um, which is a long time in, in our club's history. It would be a shame to see him go, but um, I also would not be surprised to see him look elsewhere because yeah. uh, he does take he does take me as kind of a guy that uh, that wants to be successful, not just on his own, but wants to be on a, on a winning team. Yeah. And obviously we haven't, uh, we haven't really given him that. Yeah. He, he pro- it seemed like this, especially towards the end of the season, as much as Ishjom was the, the point on the attack down the left-hand side, Shane was the point of attack down the right-hand side. And he sp- spent more time, um, really serving up other people as, as opposed to, making plays for himself and and I, I could definitely see that he, you know he's 28 years old uh, this seems to be about the age where a lot of the guys in the USL have to make that decision whether or not they want to keep go to keep pursuing the the, the dream of playing in a, in a top top division whether they want to do that in America or another country uh, whether they're content to play you know, in the USL or in second division and whether or not they're content to play for the same team year in and year out. And, you know, it, I have a feeling that if he's, if, if the switchbacks want him back, Alan Koch is really going to have to sell him on the idea of returning here and having some major, major role in, uh, um, in the offense. And I, I'm not quite sure 
that's going to happen. Um, that's just my opinion, though. Um, you know, I, get, I can definitely see that. Yeah, you know, um, you know, Matt Hundley, uh, uh, Rapids guy. You know, we're kind of dependent on whatever they're going to do. Uh, new guy from Mexico, uh, Fernando Gonzalez, um, came on. We signed him late in the season. Not alone. Um, didn't really seem to do much. Uh, he, I think he had one goal. I think there was there was one or two games where him and Cesar Romero were teamed up uh, up front and really seemed to, to have something going, and then they, we that kind of fizzled into another shuffle. Um, I can't imagine him, uh, him coming back. I it depends on it. It really depends on the contract offered. Um, I can't imagine him moving here for only a one year with an option. Uh, I feel like they would have had to have offered him a longer contract to convince him to move here uh, on a permanent basis. So I would not be surprised to see him back. I really do think that there was a lot of potential. Uh, for a, an attacking lineup with him and and Cesar Romero, um, but again, I think they kind of got lost in the shuffle of constant change. Uh, the the constant reshuffling of the lineups, uh, lack of consistency is just as bad for forwards as it is for defenders and, and goalkeepers. Um, and and I think we never really got to see that chemistry gel yeah um well i almost would say it was would be worse for for uh forwards because i mean you you you've got that partnership that you got to have and you if 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 you know you know you got two guys if you don't even speak the same language there's got to be that familiarity um i think i guess one of the reasons why him and uh Romero kind of really hit it off for the, for the one or two games that they are actually started together is that you know they're, they're they they play that 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 Central America uh, uh, Mexican you know uh, style they got that background they got the same language you know um, there wasn't a language barrier there was I don't know um, I would have liked to have seen more of him but again you know who who do you sit him or Tucker Bone, do you, you know there there's so there were so many people in the mix and there's so much shuffle, it it, it really made for a situation where you're setting up everyone for failure. Um, Cesar Romero uh, on loan on loan to us from uh, a team in Honduras, a uh, very young player. Uh, I want to say he was 19 or 20 uh, when he came in. Um, yeah, he's he. I, I, uh... He had just turned 20 in January. Yeah, so uh, um, I guess that depends on whether or not his uh, his uh, his team. Um, God, I'm looking for the name right now. This is how unprepared uh, I I we I am. I just didn't have anything up at all. FC Motagua um, uh, in the Honduras top division. Um, and if I remember, they're 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 like not only the the top division, but they've like won the division won their championship like 20 out of the past 25 years they're overflowing with talent and um 
they, their their general manager down there has been uh, has been making connections with USL uh, teams up here. So there's a slight chance he might be back. Um, he seemed, to, uh, if I recall, he was more of a uh, Brian Crookham pickup than he was a Steve Trichu connection. Um, but I don't know. The most really the most I remember from him was the uh, winning goal that he came on in his first first action. He came like right off De- the play. Debut goal. Absolute stunner. Yep. And then uh, going to the under-20 World Cup and just Honduras getting absolutely mauled by someone. I think it was 9 to nothing. And uh, Yeah, it was a slaughter. It was brutal. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's really the most I remember about, about him. I'd, again, I'd like to see him back, but... <sighs> You know who who do you who do you let go in his place? Um, Mike, Seth, I, I think we could both agree we've probably seen the last of him. We've, I, I think we for sure have seen the last of Mike Seth. Uh, really unfortunate uh, that the last couple of years of his career went the way they did. Um, I I hate to I hate to phrase it like this. I hate to phrase it in a, in an I told you so kind of way. But I feel like when he left us to to seek bigger and better things, mm-hmm. um, it was the beginning of the end for him. He yeah. from that moment from that moment on, he went from being a uh, a fixture in the starting lineup, a, a hero, a local favorite, um, to barely getting starting minutes um, for both of the teams that he ended up with before coming back to us. And I, I just don't think that I think he was a shadow of his former self from that point on. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate to, to say that we probably won't see him again um, because he was such a fan favorite. But again, we, we're, we're looking at him through the, the rose colored glasses of, of years past. Yeah. I think he, you know, he was part of that exodus after 2016 that, uh, that, got out of town as quickly as they could and then kind of found that, that the uh, grass isn't always greener. And, uh, but he, I, he, he was, he was a Trichu guy. I think he most, most of his play, playing time was at the beginning of the season. I know he did get injured. Um, he did have two goals with us this year, but yeah. Um, cherish those, those Mike Seth is a Wolverine shirts for all you still have them because uh, I think we've seen the last of him uh, not only in the switchbacks but he's he, he's uh, 32 and um, he's one of those players I think can evaluate and say whether or not he uh, wants to, to to hang up the cleats or you know I don't think there's going to be greener pastures you know, he went to Phoenix went to San Antonio um, really didn't have playing time with either I think the most playing time he had in San Antonio was in the Open Cup um so yeah, I'm gonna, uh... I think the only way his pro career continues is if he goes to to uh, League One, USL League One. And I don't, um, I can't... which I don't know if he if he has it in him to take that hit to his pride to take the step down. He would be an absolute force in League One, um, but I don't know that he wants to do that to himself. Yeah, yeah, and. Um... Also coming off a shoulder injury, um, I know he came back and I think he made a couple. He was on the bench uh, uh, for a couple games. May have may have even played after that, but um, yeah, I, I can't see a scenario him coming back in a in a playing capacity. Um, I was surprised that he came back this year. I was happily surprised, but still kind of surprised. Um, Austin doing Tucker Bowen. I think we touched on them earlier. 
um, I can't imagine them not being here. I think the connection with the Air Force and, you know, Austin doing, I think he's a face story you could build. Uh, the, the franchise could have a narrative around him that could sell tickets and write stories and, and get attention. Um, local kid through and through. Uh, really, I think the only player who can say that he watched the Switchbacks as a fan before he signed for the Switchbacks. Uh, so... Um, and Tucker Bone, uh, I could see him moving once his, he gets his uh, Air Force commitment figured out um, and resolved. I could I could see him moving up to MLS. Uh, was picked number one by our first round pick by Seattle this season, um, and I'm not quite sure if they how the rights to him are really owned. If how MLS handles that when when players are drafted. Um, if they own the rights for so many years or if if uh, they have right of first refusal if he decides to go play for someone else. Uh, I don't know how that works. Um, but aside from that, I mean, that's pretty much most... Uh, I mean, there, there's a ton of academy players up and down this that I've seen. Uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of this is going to depend on what the Rapids do and what the Rapids choose to do with us and... Uh, really, um, what what the how much money the switchbacks are willing to spend? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's I, I'm trying to be opt- optimistic about 2020, uh, just because we're gonna have a new coach. Um, we it, the people the players that we do come have come back may have a different not attitude, but like a, maybe a rejuvenation with with a new team we're not going to get the new stadium next year um to the surprise of i think no one except the reagans um they the switchbacks put out a put out an announcement that there's going to be an announcement on this the december 7th which i would be willing to bet um a steve trichu coin <laughs> that um, <laughs> is going to is going to be the announcement of the groundbreaking at uh, the new stadium um, but uh, I'm kind of a little bit a little bit not not wholly con- not, not big concern but mildly concerned they haven't started work on that yet uh, I've been down there a couple times and um, aside from the moving out the the uh, forcing off the homeless people that were were living on that block, um, they've kind of started to move back in. So I'm not, I'm kind of nervous. I haven't heard any, any big updates about uh, the public funding that was supposed to be coming from the state with it, which seems to be the linchpin and everything. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. Um, you heard anything? I, I have not heard anything, um, and and like you, I am concerned. The only part of the uh, the whole City for Champions initiative money that I've even heard about um, is is uh, CC breaking ground on their new hockey stadium yeah. um, on campus, and, and so I obviously the money is gone somewhere. Um, I, I just I don't know what the holdup is with the switchbacks breaking ground. Um, I per, my personal hope is that they're uh, they're redrawing the blueprints so that the uh, the the backdrop isn't 
facing the wrong direction. Uh, <laughs> it would be a shame to build a soccer stadium in the shadow of Pikes Peak that looks at Cheyenne Mountain. Um, but yeah. that's just yeah. me. I, I love Cheyenne Mountain. I work at the foot of Cheyenne Mountain. It's beautiful. But Pikes Peak is right there. Uh, you're in the Pikes Peak region. You're the premier professional sports uh, experience in the Pikes Peak region. Um <laughs> And yeah, quote and end quote. Yeah, and uh, the the beautiful natural splendor of Colorado Springs, and we are a block away from the Drake coal-fired power plant, which, um, you know, at least at the beginning and the end of the season, we'll have that nice cloud that comes out of the power plant hanging over the stadium. So I guess it'll be a the lights will reflect off it real pretty, like maybe, um, maybe the fireworks I, will will. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. It's it's I'm I'm hashtag concerned as well. Um, my my only my only uh, hope for that that cloud is that will it, it will obscure the direct sunlight in my eyes from the from the east stands uh, during those <laughs> late afternoon early evening games. Well, there, there's a lot. There, I mean, there's a lot that has to happen. I mean, part of the stadium deal is the CC hockey, and they're they're doing that. Um, you know, they're the businesses along that in that area and the uh, up at the old north end of of uh, downtown. Um, you know, they've got till the end of, of this year to, to vacate. Um, one of my favorite places there on campus, uh, Woodlands Deli, um, they're having to shut down and open up a new location because their their location is is uh, being taken over by by the the new building. And, you know, Widener Field is, you know, they're, they're going to have. Uh, apartment buildings and condos and and uh, down by the stadium and and also up in in Colorado College you know they're building the new dorms that are going to go up there as well so I don't know I don't know what the holdup is if uh, you know there there's if it's a money issue if it's you know they can't figure out uh, how to get rid of of the Drake power plant. <laughs> you know, like, can we throw a tarp over it on game day? So we don't see it. <laughs> um, big TIFO that reaches <laughs> into the sky. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's almost a shame that that isn't where the, 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 st- the team originally started playing. And we could have had like a supporters group that was named after like the Drake power plant, you know, like, you know, the, the, the coal crew or the miners or something like that. The smog, the smog uh, brothers, smog crew. I mean, I, you, you're you're coming right at my uh, my Minnesota United supporters group, the Dark Clouds. The Dark Clouds, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the the well, the clouds are normally not dark. It's always nice and white. No, it's you. I yes. guess it's a. Uh, so, uh, boy, is there anything else? Uh, anything next year you like to see, besides? wins i i my greatest hope greatest hope for next year is that we at least reach a uh, a 50% win rate um by the end of the season i don't care if we make the playoffs i don't want to be at the bottom and i would like to see as close as possible to a 50% win rate or at the very least, like winning every game isn't, you know, necessarily feasible. But drawing more games that we that we should be losing, you know, getting a picking up a point 
away from home where we would expect zero. Yeah. Little things like that that get us oriented in the right direction. Um, I don't expect a I don't expect a single season turnaround. I don't expect our new coach to be a miracle worker and just create a winning team out of nothing. Um, I expect there to be growing pains, but what I want to see from the next season is some stability. Um, I want to see, you know, some form of consistency and in commitment from the rapids and from the switchbacks. Uh, I, I want the fan base to be more aware of how that relationship works and how we can expect the the season to go. Um, and that's and that's it. I'm not expecting the world. I don't want to, you know, come back and say, you know, we're gonna win. We're gonna win the championship next year. It, it's. I don't think it's feasible to to go from worst to first uh, like that without or, some massive changes win 20 games in a row like phoenix did not, uh not you gonna know, have any of that, that no I, I i don't i don't i know it's possible in sports uh we've last, seen it, ha- yeah. it literally the stanley cup this year the blues were last in nhl in january and won the stanley cup in in the summer it has happened before but i don't think it's going to happen this time yeah yeah, I'd like to see us at least be a serious contender for to to, to get above the red line in October. Um, you know, where we can talk in, in September and October, we can actually look and and kind of talk about playoff potential without having to chuckle at ourselves or roll our eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Heck, I I would I would I long for the days when. Uh, we were even in a position that we could be cheering for other teams' results to get us into the playoffs. Yeah, we were so far from the line this year that no amount of of failure from other teams or success from other teams would have an impact on where we ended up. Yeah, um, I think that I, the I, entire West Coast could fall off the the planet, and we still wouldn't have made the playoffs. You're probably correct. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that that's about it. Um, as for switchbacks, you know, a season tickets next year on sale. Going to be playing at Widener Field, uh, formerly known as Switchback Stadium, formerly known as Sand Creek Stadium, forever known as Fortress Sand Creek. Um, December seventh, there's some announcement. They told us to be excited about it. I don't know. Maybe it's breaking ground a new stadium maybe we're going to see a third kit revealed um who knows with the switchbacks nowadays <laughs> um but other than that you know that's that's about it i don't think it can get much worse next year so only 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 place to go is up um and on that note i'm going to put an end on the 2019 season um and we're going to move on to 2020 where we're going to Hindsight is always 2020. Um, unfortunately, we don't have much look good to look back on for the past three years. So hopefully, we can look forward in 2020. Hashtag something something 2020. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you got anything to add, my friend? I think we no, think, I we, think... We, we beat this this horse this dead horse enough that it's now just mulch. Uh, yeah, we we've we've beat this horse so much that. Uh... 
I, I mean, I don't think we've ever had an episode closing in on two hours. Uh, so I think at this point, the, I think we've the we've horse, wrapped it up. Yeah, the horse's descendants are eating the grass that grew out of the dead horse. And it's like the circle of life. Um, but we're going to keep eating that dead horse until, until we get something <laughs> to cheer for. So that's it for 2019. Uh, we will see you hopefully next year. And uh, for back chat, I am Jason Smith. I'm Paul Ray. And we'll see you next year, guys. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Oh, well,